passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Becky Lynch trying to climb back inside the ring. Charlotte Flair. Oh, man. Pulls Becky. Count of eight here, guys. He's in eight right now. What a battle for the title here tonight. Oh my God! Charlotte Flair just speared the women's champion through the LED wall. Get the trainer, Dan, go get the trainer, get the trainer. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. Talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock here alongside Wei Ting with you for the next four hours. How are you doing, Wei? Doing all right. Yeah. Um, Better than the UFC 230 card? Uh, I, w- I mean, I would say so. I don't think I've gone through a complete makeover today. So, yeah. You don't have a new... Uh, you don't have a new main event. You don't have your most uh, intriguing uh, body part falling apart. Or, or just dropping off altogether. You don't have, like, one less arm. What body part would um, Nate Diaz versus Dustin Poirier be? Oh, it would have to be the... The middle finger, at least. No. How, when was the last time you gave someone the middle finger sincerely? When you were eight? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I don't recall. I got into arguments with teachers when I was in uh, elementary school about the middle finger. And I tried to explain. I was a very smart child, as you can probably guess way. And I was trying to explain to them that, is the middle finger so offensive? Or is it the way in which you interpret this middle finger? If I put my thumb up, you're not offended by that. But this finger, why are you assuming my intent? Maybe, maybe I'm giving you the middle finger. And I'm, I mean it to be received in a much more uh, happy state than you're intending it to uh, to be. We get so wrapped up about words and uh, certain fingers. It's just, it's it's ridiculous. Right. And, um, it's, and it's a really lazy insult, too. Like, you have nothing clever to say. You have no form of communication from your car that the middle finger is the first thing you go to. It's like, you're a child. You're, you're a grown child. Did you have a wheel. Did you have a lot of friends as a kid? Do I now? <laughs> no, no, I've always been a loner way. Somehow I found you along the way, and you just haven't uh, moved on yet. Yeah, some interesting questions, John. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, but what about this card? 
Well, let's uh, let's get in. Let's get into everything right now. There, there's a lot of news to discuss before we get to SmackDown. So, so are you ready, Way? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, before we start on UFC, because there's a lot of uh, MMA news, I do want to provide a bit of an update on Kevin Owens, which we were uh, talking about on Monday show and then today on on the site. So Kevin Owens is scheduled uh, for knee surgery, and internally from uh, who I spoke with, it was believed that he's not going to be gone. For too long. That said, the full extent of the knee injury that he has, uh, it hasn't been fully assessed till they go through with this. So there is the possibility that he could require more serious surgery that would obviously keep him out for a lot longer. But there is optimism that it's going to be like like a knee scope and that the the return time would be greatly reduced from major knee surgery. So it is the possibility it could be more serious than uh, than thought of originally. Hmm. Let's hope it's not too long. Yeah. Hopefully it's a quick turnaround. Like a, like a knee scope is, you know, under two months, he could probably be back. He could probably be back before the end of the year. Whereas major knee surgery, that's when you're talking about this time of the year where then it's all of a sudden you're looking at, you know, that's WrestleMania season where it's probably touch and go. So mm-hmm. uh, hopefully it's going to be a, a quick procedure and recovery for one Kevin Owens, but the UFC card, this UFC 230 event, Madison Square Garden. Last week, the world was in an uproar when it was announced that Valentina Shevchenko and Sijara Eubanks were going to headline this card for the vacant flyweight title. Well, today it was announced that they have chucked that main event to the side and the new main event is Daniel Cormier defending the UFC heavyweight title against Derek Lewis, the same Derek Lewis who I just watched get pounded on for 14 minutes and 49 seconds on Saturday night before he just dropped Alexander Volkov and finished him. He is going to come back in less than four weeks' time to take on Daniel Cormier, a man who was on Ariel Hawani's radio program last week, stating that he's just not able to fight on December 29th because he has broken a bone in his hand and it's also affecting his wrist. And now this man is also going to be fighting in less than four weeks. So this is our new main event. A significant upgrade from Valentina Shevchenko and Sijara Eubanks. And yeah. at this point, I'm just thinking, man, whatever fight they're going to put together, go ahead. But this, the, the, the short-sightedness of some of these fights when I think everybody was anticipating Daniel Cormier and Brock Lesnar... I hope this man's making a ton of money for this fight that he just couldn't turn it down. Like he was Shawn Michaels here. He just had to say yes to this fight because you don't know what could happen in this fight. I mean, it's not inconceivable that Derek Lewis could knock this guy out, that Daniel Cormier could suffer a significant injury that throws off any potential Brock Lesnar fight. And yeah, that's that's the new main event. Yeah, I feel like this whole saga... Uh has really kind of been indicative of maybe the state of uh, the organi- organizational state of the UFC and, and just how uh, fucked up the whole thing is uh, that, that this operation is, is going through as much as it is. And this card supposedly one of the biggest cards of the year uh, just it's can't seem to, they can't seem to make up their mind about what they want or just have, extremely limited options that they have to bounce so much stuff around. And my my concern is that here's a guy that has stated that 
he's he had a broken bone in his hand as of just over a week ago. How how does the commission allow someone to take this fight with a broken hand? Apparently, Daniel Cormier he 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 was offered the fight on Monday and he tested out the hand and he feels he can go ahead with this fight. And that's just like unless he has exaggerated this injury, which I, I don't know how you exaggerate. A bone is either broken or it's not. I mean, that kind of falls on the commission. That how do you send a man into a fight with a broken hand? What about Derek Lewis? Well, Derek Lewis took all of this damage on Saturday. I would, I would hope that there would be a medical suspension for this guy with all the strikes that he took. And a man who was flat out asked by Joe Rogan, would you like to fight for the title next? And he said, no, my cardio is not ready for a five-round fight. Yeah. So it's, I, I'm not looking at this so much as you know matchmaking and ruining other fights. I'm also looking at this just from... Like, what are you asking of these two individuals? Like, what is the line to save a show of what we will compromise when it comes to the well-being of two people? And and that is what a commission is there in place for, to make sure that these fighters and their, their safety is protected, even against themselves, who may uh, simply want to ignore um, such issues that we've just outlined. Who do you think uh, replaces Dustin Poirier? So that was the other um, report that came out uh, just over the past hour from uh, Brett Okamoto at ESPN. Dustin Poirier is out. That was the big fight with Nate Diaz that these two were campaigning to headline this show. Poirier's off. Uh, Nate Diaz has not commented on this yet. I do not think that is going to be the easiest man to convince to take a new opponent on three and a half weeks notice. So, I mean, I think that they should go out of their way to try and find Nate Diaz an opponent. Um, But I I don't know who you're going to be able to get on such short notice that Nate would be willing to sign off on. That the Like, look how hard the UFC had to go to to get a main event here. Now you've got to get somebody on such short notice for what isn't a championship fight that strictly would be, you know, a huge offer from the UFC to take such a fight on short notice. So like, I I don't know. I don't know who that person is. If you're just going to find somebody, some lower ranked fighter. I mean, there's a very good chance. Nate Diaz is just going to balk at that and not fight on this card. He is, he's threatened to remove himself from this card, whether serious or not, that maybe now he actually will. I'm wondering if he even knows about it. He could be asleep. Well, then he's going to be waking up to quite the surprise. Now, in all of this, what happened to Sajara Eubanks? She's just been cast aside because uh, now Valentina Shevchenko is back to fighting Joanna Jacek in Toronto next month. So Sajara Eubanks, who signed a contract to fight Valentina Shevchenko, just like Joanna signed a contract to fight Valentina Shevchenko, these contracts mean nothing when the UFC is just playing musical chairs with their fighters. And I cannot believe how many times like, you just see like the, that these things happen. And with Joanna talking about like, she found out about this it, being contacted by the media. Yeah. Like not even getting a call. And that happens so often in the UFC where these fighters who are, they are putting their lives on hold to train for these fights and are being uh, discovering that all this training you've been doing, uh, it's for nothing because they've, they've switched it on you. And you're reading this on MMA that, 
your training camp is for nothing. This training camp that you have begun, that you are financing, uh, now that fight's off. I feel bad for her. I mean, yeah, I think everybody could joke about who this person is, whether or not she's deserving of headlining a um, Madison Square Garden uh, pay-per-view. But I think at the end of all this, you can't help but feel like somebody who, you know, works really hard uh, and was kind of dangled this amazing carrot in front of her. Uh, all of a sudden now has nothing, not even a title shot, not even a match uh, that we know of on this show. So I hope, you know, uh, I'm I'm just like kind of looking at some of her tweets uh, and she's a very outspoken person. I hope she doesn't take this lightly. I hope she campaigns very hard because I think she has the audience on her side right now. Yeah, for I think that last week, any anger at Sajara Eubanks was misguided. If you think this is not a a pay-per-view quality main event, which that's a completely justifiable opinion to have because it's not. Direct that at the UFC. For Sajara Eubanks, what was she supposed to do in a position like that? Turn down a championship fight? Turn down the biggest opportunity of her career? I don't, I don't cast any uh, issue with her. And I think in a weird way, she has somehow gone now from being completely... Uh, maligned by everybody to now she's a sympathetic figure because she's getting screwed out of this title shot that really she didn't deserve to begin with but was getting it but now she's kind of in a more favorable light like she's perceived as as a victim here that's being cast aside it's a very strange set of circumstances and i think it just underscores the chaotic nature of this matchmaking and how it just seems like there's such a fractured relationship amongst the management and these fighters that it's just moving all these names around and, you know, having having issues like this where Joanna is furious that she's finding out about losing her title fight. Now it's back on. She stopped her fight camp last week, and now she's got to resume this to fight on December the 8th. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just chaos. These are world-class athletes, and they are totally being utilized as pawns on, on a chessboard. You th- moving them around to fill the next card and do whatever is possible to just fill the next card with no concern about long-term or any repercussions from these fighters. Do you think anything changes, uh, you know, um, in terms of, uh, I think, management or matchmakers or anything like that at the end of all this? No, I really don't. I think that this is this is a spotlight on the lack of influence that 95% of these fighters have, that they have no say in any of how, any of this is how it's done, that... They're just they're just treated like cattle in certain circumstances. I, I think it's just I, I feel really bad for like people like Joanna and now Sajara Eubanks that are put in these positions where they're just they're just cast aside like these are not even athletes. But we're in a position where these fighters have not fought for any of their rights that they have not banded together to form an association to even get the ball rolling. Leslie Smith. She just wanted fighters to anonymously sign up for Project Spearhead just to get a certain number so that they can explore the possibility of this. And she couldn't even get the bare minimum number. Like these fighters are, whether it is fear of it coming back to to bite them, uh, concern of, from management, like they are not taking any steps to curb this entire industry where they don't share in any of the television revenue, where they don't have where they have all of their sponsors that have been eliminated over the last three years. 
And, and this is the end result where 95% of your fighters, they just view themselves like they're, they're replaceable and that there's very few that exert that kind of influence because they have it. If you're a proven draw that can, that, that can be a needle mover, but so many of them are not. And then that's the end result is like, you don't have a whole lot of fighter rights at the moment or ever. Mm-hmm. But that is UFC 230 as we speak. Who knows what will happen over the next uh, 24 hours. We've also got uh, some matches announced for Power Struggle, which is going to be taking place on that exact same day on November the 3rd from Osaka, Japan. It's going to be headlined by Chris Jericho and Evil for the Intercontinental title. They've also announced Tetsuya Naito versus Zack Sabre Jr. Taichi versus Will Ospreay for the Never Openweight title. The Golden Lovers, Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi against Hiroshi Tanahashi and David Finley. Kazuchika Okada and Beretta will take on Jay White and Bad Luck Fale and the finals of the Super Junior Tag League Tournament, which will start on October the 16th. And they've also listed all of the teams uh, for that tournament. Uh, how does this card stack up thus far for you, Way? Looks like a, a rather average show, honestly, maybe even a little below average. I think Jericho versus Evil, uh, you know, while I think it's always interesting to see Jericho in a New Japan ring, I wouldn't think that, to me, that's not a very strong headliner, you know, even as rare as we see Chris Jericho. I think that's a good, you know, maybe second from the top match, but not necessarily one that at the very top. Uh, I think the Omega Tanahashi interaction has my interest, but I mean, David Finley being in there doesn't, I don't think, make a whole lot of sense. And Poor overall, David Finley. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but... It, it, you, you got my... Man, when you suggested that dream tag match, I was like, man, that that would have been awesome on this show. I think that would have been the default main event, actually. Tanahashi and Okada teaming up for one night. Yeah, certainly. I, I'm expecting them to build towards that, uh, probably for... I don't, I guess I wonder what show they they would be building up building building it up towards, but I can't see it being the tag league. After I gave it more thought, I just don't see mm-hmm. them doing that. I I think it's valuable for one time. You don't want to do it where they're doing seven tag matches together. It's just the one time would be special. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I don't know when you would do that. But that was so heavily teased. Yeah. Um, maybe but, it's something eventual. I, I thought that could have really worked on this show mm-hmm. against like Jay White and Ghetto, and Ghetto can take the fall. But this card itself, I mean, honestly, it just kind of looks like a pretty middle-of-the-pack card. Did you take a look at any of the teams for the Super Junior Tag League? Actually, no. Please remind me. All right. So here's our full list of teams. We have the Junior Heavyweight Tag Champions, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Rapongi 3K, Jushin Liger and Tiger Mask, Taiji Ishimori and Robbie Eagles, uh, Bushi and Shingo Takagi. So there you go, Shingo Takagi. Uh, full-fledged member of the junior heavyweight division, Kushida and Chris Sabin, Ryusuke Taguchi and ACH, and from CMLL, Volador Jr. and Soberano Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a round-robin tournament. I think that, you know, Shingo's matches, I, I think he's kind of the, the shiny new toy that everyone is going to be uh, intrigued by. And then the finals will take place at Power Struggle. So you'll get some interesting matches in there, um, you know, depending on some of the interactions in this. Mm-hmm. Do you have a clear favorite right now? Um, to win the the tournament outright, I could see it coming down to Bushi and Shingo with mm-hmm. maybe you could do maybe Kushida and Chris Sabin go to the end, and that's how you kick off Shingo and Kushida to tease something for the Tokyo Dome. Hmm, that's one option. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm really interested how Shingo Takagi is is booked because, you know, I look at Taiji Ishimori, who's fantastic, um, but also someone that's kind of assumed more of a background role over the last three to four months as well. Mm-hmm. But there's some interesting names in this tournament. Um, I did want to bring up this. Uh, this is a really big story uh, internationally, and there, I, I think that you would have to look at the the WWE's forthcoming show in Saudi Arabia. And I'm sure most of you have heard of this story, but to just recap, um, last week, uh, there was a journalist by the name of Jamal Khashoggi who was visiting a uh, Saudi Arabian consulate in Turkey. Uh, this is a, uh, this journalist, he is a, or was a Saudi Arabian dissident uh, who had been living in the United States and he was over in Turkey, went to this consulate to get a document uh, in connection to a divorce. And this is a journalist who has written, um, he's been very critical about the Saudi Arabian government. And he arrived at the consulate and his fiance was outside waiting for him and he never came out. Now, since then, the Turkish officials uh, believe that he was murdered inside of the consulate. The Saudi Arabian government, they are denying this, and there is uh, they are claiming that none of their cameras were rolling. Uh, but this is a major, major story where they are demanding answers um, as to how this man disappeared into thin air and can't be located. He is presumed dead, and the Turkish uh, information that they have, the, uh, the intelligence believe that there was a group that was brought into this consulate and and he was murdered. So there is certainly, given the fact that he was living in the United States, what this could possibly mean for U.S. and Saudi Arabian relations. And I, I think that given the timing of all of this, um, you look at you know how big of a story this becomes and you have an American-based company scheduled to go to Saudi Arabia. I'm not saying that it's necessarily going to trickle down to that extent, but I think it's a story to at least watch in terms of if the the WWE running a show there is something that is tied into all of this. And at the very least, how you look at that show with even more uh, criticism than it already presents itself, given the, the politics of it all and given how that first show went. Yeah, yeah, I do wonder at this point if, you know, even a story like that would, would be enough for, for uh, this deal to, to, to uh, I guess, I don't know, um, change. Um, I mean, Saudi Arabia certainly has, I think, opponents in many parts of the world, and that's not necessarily stopping this company from, you know, doing, or any many business companies from doing business with them. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting story, and I think a very interesting association. Yes, yeah, so that's obviously a story uh, to continue to monitor as you look at the the political nature, the heavily uh, political nature uh, of that show that is happening next month. Um, that is pretty much all of the news. There's lots more you can go find at postwrestling.com. Uh, before we start, I did want to go over uh, our contest way that we are running on Twitter. We've already had some submissions, but do you want to alert people as to how they can enter for their chance to win Creating the Mania? by John Robinson from ECW Press. Yeah, so last week we did an Instagram contest where we asked everybody to take selfies and show us how you listen to the show. Or this 
this week, we're going to take it over to another platform, Twitter. Uh, and we're asking everybody to tweet at Post Wrestling, follow at Post Wrestling, and use the hashtag Post Haiku and con- compose your best haiku. So what haikus are there? 17 syllable poems, five syllables, seven syllables, and then five syllables again uh, in terms of structure. And we, 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 should we even read some perhaps? Do you want to give an example? Yeah. So hashtag post haiku. You guys can look it up yourself. All right. This one comes from Chris Elliott. Hurt that post wrestling. Sad when John Way finish. Wait for news update. <laughs> this one I comes love it. This one comes from the archivist. An order is made. A currency for liquid. No sleeve provided. <laughs> one more. Okay. Steven, how to book a match. Twenty writers, what to do? Distraction finish. Brilliant. Great. Like we got some, some real poets here that are listening. Oh my god, this list is huge already. So get get your entries in. Uh of submissions? Yeah. Oh wow. We've got a lot of them. Uh so enjoy them. Just read them even if even if you just want to read them. But man, you guys are uh, very creative. So uh out of all of you, we, we will pick uh the best one. And quickly, if you are like uh, one of our haiku poets and just can't wait for the next show, we have many of those next shows coming up this week, uh, including the double shot, which is probably up as you're listening to this. And on tonight's double shot, uh, we will be going through the new Being the Elite. Uh, I'm going to chat a bit about Bound for Glory this weekend and uh, go through a recent podcast interview uh, covering the state of impact wrestling that I found very interesting. So I'm changing mine up a little way. Uh, is there anything else uh, for you to add way on the double shot tonight? Yeah, I'll be uh, talking a little bit about some of the other things I watched. And that includes the latest edition of total divas. Uh, BTE came back with another show. And then uh, I also want to talk a, a little bit about 10 pounds of gold. They've released two really excellent episodes over the past seven days uh, as well. A documentary about PCO. Oh, I'm going to throw in as well. Um, it's a very short review of the Matt Hughes documentary on UFC Fight Pass, which is uh, something. Uh, very, very moving documentary. So all of that is coming up on the Double Shot. Patreon.com slash postwrestling, or just go to postwrestlingcafe.com. Then we continue Thursday with Braden Harrington and Davey Portman with Up Next and Forever Young with their reviews of NXT, the Mae Young Classic, and possibly Davey's 205-second review of 205 Live this week. Friday, it's the return of Rewind Away. Our espresso executive producer, Mike King, has selected NXT Arrival, their first network special from February 2014, headlined by NXT champion Bo Dallas and Adrian Neville, back when he enjoyed this company. Yes, yes. Wow. I look forward to see how far all those names have come. Then on Saturday, it's a new episode of Eggshells with Chris Charlton, Returning guest, his brother, Matt Charlton, who is going to be on to chat the wonderful year that was 2005. And then on Sunday, big return. It's bigger than Shawn Michaels. It's bigger than Rey Mysterio. It's Nate Milton back at the post office. He will be joining me to review Bound for Glory, Impact Wrestling's big show of the year. And we will discuss the state of TNA, the state of Impact, and all that comes out of Sunday's pay-per-view. So 
Lots of great shows coming up this week. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com as well. But are we ready to get into SmackDown? I'm ready. Let's do it. Opened up with Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair already in the ring. There was no time to waste. And we got right into this championship rematch. Becky had the advantage early on. She even mocked Charlotte's strut by doing her own, which I didn't think was half bad. Charlotte rolled away from the disarmor and went for a dragon screw leg whip. And uh, this was quite the dragon screw leg whip. She was working for a Boston Crab, not able to get it on. And then uh, Charlotte delivered this very weak slingshot that sent Becky into the corner. And Corey Graves, thinking on his feet, said, I think Becky did her best to shift her weight so Charlotte didn't get all of it. This was like a shoot block of a slingshot. Yeah. If you're ever in a, in a street fight and someone goes for a slingshot, don't dis- properly uh, disperse your weight so you can really throw their back out. Didn't look very good, no. From there, it did pick up. Becky uh, missed coming off the turnbuckle, got a series of roll-up attempts. They went through two commercial breaks in this match. Becky grabs the title and goes to leave. Charlotte returns her into the ring, and she runs Charlotte into the official ever so lightly. And then the the referee is just chastising Becky, who's holding the belt, and he's yelling, you cannot do that. And because the stipulation here is if Becky gets disqualified, she loses the title. Charlotte speared her. Becky again goes to the floor. Charlotte climbs to the top. She crashes on the floor, missing this moonsault, and then takes a Bexploder into the barricade. Becky is into the ring. She's hoping to win by countout, but the count's broken at nine. They continue fighting. There's a natural selection in the ring. Becky again rolls to the floor. Charlotte goes into the LED board. They continue on the floor fighting. Both are counted out. They continue up the ramp, and then... In a scene out of 2001 between Rhino and Chris Jericho, Charlotte spears her through the through the stage screens at the front, and Charlotte came up grabbing her arm and her wrist, and it looked like her hand was cut up from all of this. But she she was yeah during the mixed match challenge she was uh, bandaged or her wrist was bandaged up yeah yes this this poor woman who they announced during the show was cleared to continue to wrestle her second match tonight. Um, but yes, so this was the big build-up to set up their Evolution match, which is going to be a last woman standing match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, knowing the stipulation, uh, you can understand why they decided to kind of go this uh, more traditional heel route for Becky by having her try to cheat to win or uh, cheat to get DQ'd, I mean, and then constantly trying to uh, flee with the belt to cause a countout. Uh, again, it's not my preferred method of, I think, characterizing this current uh, iteration of Becky Lynch. I, I do already feel like, you know, a lot of the interest in her, even over the past week, has already started to wane. And, you know, you see a reaction like you heard tonight where, you know, I think people are still interested. But it was a much more 50-50 crowd in terms of uh, cheers and applause for Charlotte and Becky. In the end, maybe that's what they want. But it, rather than, I think, having more audience uh, cheer for Charlotte. What they're doing is just decreasing the overall, I think, interest in the feud in general and decreasing Becky's, um, you know, momentum uh, that she's had. So um, I think the stipulation makes perfect sense for Evolution. I hope they get a big spot there. I wasn't a fan of, of them not having a, an entrance here. I think, you know, it kind of makes the belt and the participants look uh, kind of weak. But I understand that this is also just maybe... Um, 
in the end, you know, just another kind of setup match for a bigger match down the line. Um, the match itself, I kind of just, I found average. You know, I find most of their matches actually rather average. So what did you think? Um, yeah, I would never say this match got great. Um, you know, we, we mentioned kind of the the issues earlier on where they they, they just had some, some glaring stuff. Um, but I think the audience eventually got into it. Um, did they build enough for the another match between them? I don't know. I, I think some people are starting to see the, the end of this feud being near, and hopefully that's what evolution is, where I, I would imagine Charlotte's going to win this title to end the feud. I mean, I think a big part of maybe some of the exhaustion is because they've, uh, certainly because they've had so many matches, but also I don't think it's always necessary to build up a match by having them have a match that gets, you know, counted out. That seems to be kind of their MO when it comes to a lot of feuds lately, whether it be Nakamura versus AJ or AJ versus Kevin Owens or whoever else, AJ versus Samoa Joe, like have these guys exhaust these programs, but without a conclusive finish so that you'll maybe you still want to watch them wrestle again. And I would say for the most part, it doesn't really work out that way. My interest decreases with every single one. Yeah, I think that, you know, given all these shows they're running, like this is a feud that really didn't need this this match on Saturday and coming back for it Tuesday. I think it just seemed a little a little overkill uh, of this feud uh, at the moment, but they're going to get at least one more match out of it. They announced The Undertaker for SmackDown 1000 next week. There were several announcements on this show for next week's show. And I, I think after tonight, Way, it's, it's a higher-than-usual priority show. But, man, this is... I didn't think it was going to be this um, this small of a promotion in comparison to Raw 1000. Yeah, certainly. A lot. Was that Raw? Wait, Raw 1000 was when? Was, sorry, it was uh, Raw 1000 was a few years ago. This year was the 25th anniversary. Right. Mm, yeah. I mean, it's not like, you know, they do have a number of like relatively big names, you know, for an edition of SmackDown. I think Batista coming back alone is is a big deal, but... Um, did you see no the way Hunter is going to be on SmackDown, dude? Oh God, I know. Anyway, did you see what Batista tweeted? No. What did he tweet? So James Gunn, uh, I think it was announced as signing on for, for, to direct the Suicide Squad 2. I don't know if it was a rumor or what. I, I didn't read the full article, but anyway, basically Batista still a member, uh, as we know of, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and also, uh, you know, probably set to star, I believe still in, in, uh, Avengers Four, maybe. I'm not exactly sure if he's in or not. Anyway, still a Marvel contracted actor tweets, sign me up. <laughs> this guy. Yeah, he does not give a fuck. No, doesn't care. Yeah. Maybe he's the, the career suicide squad. <laughs> Jeff Hardy and Samoa Joe was our World Cup qualifier. One of two where they are promoting the World Cup is to determine the best in the world. Okay. How much? How much do you think the uh, the General Sports Authority would be willing to dish out for the best in the world, CM Punk? Ooh, that's a, <laughs> that's a great question, and I would say for Punk, and even uh, a great moral test to see if that man, who I think you know has been such a longtime champion of of, of uh, sticking up for what he feels is right, whether or not he would uh, have a price. Joe's leg is all taped up. He's selling the calf crusher from uh, Australia on Saturday. And I thought he did a great job with this uh, throughout the match. Yes. Joe is constantly favoring the leg. This was also Hardy's first appearance on television uh, since Hell in a Cell. He has been doing house shows, but has been off for the last 
uh, the last pay-per-view cycle. Joe's trying to work over Hardy's back, but he comes back and nails Joe's knee. He's limping around. Joe misses with a kick on the floor, hitting the steps with his left leg. That was a little comedic. Like, the, the, this felt like something out of a, you know, like the Three Stooges or something. Like, the guy with the, the broken leg goes to kick with it and misses. Joe nails him in the face, but then he can't stand up. He's down on one leg. And the referee calls off the match. There is a referee stoppage at 7 minutes and 55 seconds. Joe cannot continue. So Jeff Hardy is off to Saudi Arabia and the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Unlike you, I thought it was some pretty good selling from Joe here. Watching, watching uh, I think, him do it versus, you know, a, a novice like Ronda, who, again, you know, I think with time, Ronda could be excellent. But just to kind of see the difference between somebody who's been doing this, like, for the better part of their lives and somebody who's just starting, you really do have an appreciation for, I think, how believable somebody like he, him can make something like this look. Um, you know, I, sen- I sense the real babyface vibe here from Joe, not just, I mean, here and then also even in uh, at the tail end of, of the uh, uh, Australia match where I'm starting to really feel sympathy for him for dealing with this injury. And I'm watching this man continue... Uh, Wait, the man who just tortured this man's family well, is now... Well, that's the thing, John, yeah. What kind of sympathy do you have reserved for this guy? Well, that's what I mean. It's like, okay, as a character, he he's uh, the man who has committed the most heinous act in WWE history. Yet in ring, I'm watching this guy persevere through this terrible injury, like, exhibiting the heart of a young lion. And, like, by the end of this, you kind of want to cheer for him to continue, don't you? No, I want him locked up. This was the worst crime in WWE history, way. You're way too forgiving. I'm no wonder saying, you love that brawl on Saturday. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like, I, I wouldn't be too surprised if that's that might be where they're headed with Samoa Joe. They desperately need another baby face to compliment. I guess you do have Jeff Hardy back on TV. You have your big three and AJ, Brian, and Jeff Hardy. So maybe that's manageable enough. But I think they could use another baby face in there. Um to kind of offset, you know, your heels that you have in Orton, Nakamura, Miz. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, I mean, you've already kind of, it seems like this AJ Joe feud is done. He's not going to win the title. So you're kind of done with that already. Uh, where else do you move Samoa Joe next? You know what would be a fun program is Ray and Joe. Oh, that'd be awesome. I Man. think I would I would really like that actually. Ray being in the mix on SmackDown is like that's that's the baby face. I'm totally blanking right. that Ray's back yes. now, and I would I would argue like he is going to to me uh, leap up right into that top baby face do, mix. Do, and, but do we know if he's going to wrestle a full schedule? Uh we don't know dates yet. I mean, it's a two year deal. And he's got an opt-out after 18 months. I cannot imagine he's doing a full schedule. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't think he would have agreed to that because he just can't do it at this point. Yeah. So I think I think he's going to have a significantly reduced schedule like a Randy Orton, something like that. So anyway, that that's the program I want now. Ray and Joe. They promoted uh, Evolution for next week's show, not the pay-per-view. It's going to be very confusing next week. And then we got our Mixed Match Challenge promos with Finn Balor doing a Braun Strowman impression. And then Braun stood over top Ember Moon with Ember saying it's going to be too sweet when they beat them. I think if there's any, like, real um, indicator of maybe how, what a talent, uh, what a wrestling talent looks like when they're brought up on scripted promos, 
it's these selfie promos where I think all these people are just coaching themselves and just coming up with their own material. And everybody, you know, we talk about, well, yeah, you should let the right, uh, the wrestlers come up with their own material. I mean, a lot of these guys haven't had the proper training or the experience to really know how to write for themselves. So you often get really bad promos like you often see on these Mixed Match Challenge selfie videos. By the way, I saw tonight the WWE promote uh, Mickey James and Bobby Lashley. They are not going by the name Mickey Bobby. Mm -hmm. Are you aware of what their name is? Yes. They even have a t-shirt, John. Country. Country dominance. Yeah. Country dominance. What does that mean? Uh, well, okay, you know Mickey James, hardcore country. And I then... get it. It's like the two, dis- yeah. the two descriptive words of each person's slogans, and we have put them together. Yeah. What would ours be? Um, um, I don't know. You and I don't have any. We're not brands. We don't really have yeah, any marketing uh, descriptions next to us. Don't Maybe really that's our future any... contest. Yeah. Come up with a team name for me and Way. The king and the fish was kind of like that. I guess so. So if I'm I'm the fish, what are what are you? Did you ever have a, a nickname or something? Mm, I, my real name is I think nickname enough for my for my liking. So anyway, maybe that's the next contest. Come up with the mixed match challenge <laughs> team name for us. By the way, uh, hello everybody on Facebook who responded. Uh, a lot of you guys are still out there. Oh, I heard from people that were very down on Facebook. Don't think we should waste our time. They're sick of Mark Zuckerberg. That thing really peaked with the movie, I think. They didn't have a really good uh, next couple of years, did they? Um, Facebook? That election did a number on them. Hmm. Paige announces the last woman standing match. Uh, Ms. TV brings out AJ Styles. Ms. asks how his family is, and AJ gets very upset at this question. And... He's contrasting Joe to Brian, that this opponent, if he shows up at your house, AJ, he's going to tend to your garden, which is a very funny line. And he gives a very dull introduction for Daniel Bryan. He comes out. Miz is disgusted that AJ and Brian are showing mutual respect. They shook hands. He said, that's the last thing people want to see for the most coveted championship in the WWE. Miz clearly ordered UFC 229. Styles said that Joe, that... Joe thinks uh, beyond the ring, and he made things personal. This one's going to stay in the ring. And Miz is trying to stir shit between them, but Brian's not going for it. Brian says he's glad that Styles thinks he is better than him because he wants to beat a worthy opponent, something Miz would know nothing about. And Styles has earned the right to think he's better than everyone else. But Brian admits he still has a lot to prove since returning. Deep down, he knows he can beat Styles, and he refers to Miz as the two-minute man. For his loss on Saturday. And he's heard that Miz has been called that for a long time. Ooh. Ouch. Brian's dream. Yeah. Brian's dream was not to come back for psychological warfare. Reuniting Team Hell No. Or facing the Miz. His dream was to become WWE champion. And Styles is the only thing standing in between him and his dream. And AJ says, well, I'm not moving. And they both start laughing about their shared experiences of punching Miz in the face. And then Miz cuts a promo on Brian stealing his title shot. Says the shoulder was up. The referee was out of position. And Paige won't give me a rematch. He called Brian's win his roll-up to win. And Miz knocked him out when he won. 
He then mocks AJ's accent, says the title's never been less relevant, and he's the reason the title doesn't headline pay-per-views. Great endorsement. And he wants the winner after Crown Jewel. And then they announced that Styles is going to face the man that Brian beat last week as Shelton Benjamin comes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our first segment, I think, in in this build. And, you know, it, it, it it's kind of looking like Brian is not completely done here with The Miz. You know, we uh, we saw that. Role. I thought they were setting. I thought they were going to set up this match for next week based on Miz complaining about the shoulder and everything. Mm-hmm. But that was not announced. Yeah. Hmm. It makes me wonder if uh, if if Miz is getting the winner, if if it could be Daniel Bryan, you know, going how does that make any sense that they just had a number one contenders match and the loser is going to get the winner of this match? Well, eventually. I mean, the UFC, that happens in the UFC all the time, and I know I shouldn't. <laughs> you can't use the UFC yeah, anymore for I logic know. and booking anymore. That used to be the the real-world comparative that we can't do anymore because it doesn't make sense there either. But I suppose the idea, if there are these metaphorical uh, rankings, you know, if number two and one face each other, number one wins, then number two moves into number one next in line, doesn't he? Shouldn't number three have to do something at Crown Jewel? Who is number three? Well, I'm saying if The Miz is theoretically number three and is going to face the winner of one and two. Okay, well, I, I was using the UFC rankings where the champion doesn't really count. Oh, the champion's okay. just not not there. Okay, but let's say, yeah, number th- so number two and three face each other, and number two wins, so number two goes on to face number one. Meanwhile, number three just moves up to number two, I guess. I don't know, dude. Who, who gives a fuck? Um, <laughs> what did you think of this segment? I, I really didn't like I understand it's kind of Miz's shtick when he's gotta do his serious promos that he's gonna talk about real things. I, I didn't like trying to just devalue the title and that it doesn't headline pay-per-views because AJ gets no comeback mm-hmm. and it's true. It's true. Like he doesn't headline the pay-per-views. So to me, that's just a heel line that has no benefit because the babyface comes out of it where the, the audience is left agreeing with the heel. He's not he's not lying. He's not saying anything different here. Yeah. I just think that was unnecessary for this promo. This promo would have worked fine without um, throwing that out there. Unless they actually do have AJ close out a show in the near future, which, you know, I I, I don't know if that's in the plans or not, but I think... I, I don't think that's happening at Crown Jewel. Not at Crown Jewel. I mean, it's hard for me to see, like, if Roman has that belt, that AJ could... Clo- would They would put a, AJ above him in terms of a match order. So, yeah, maybe in the end it's a pretty unfortunate line. Uh, but the rest of it, um, yeah, it it feels like they're doing this Brian buildup now when it could be saved for something bigger down the road. Like, I don't feel Brian is winning this title in three and a half weeks. Um, yeah. But I, I thought the segment was, was fine. Um, I think people are interested in the match. Yeah, it tells me that Brian probably isn't going to get the slot at WrestleMania, uh, which is, I think, uh, as many people might. Mm, it, it you know it, it seems like they're gonna go with a double baby face build for this one uh but you know they do have three weeks so i think you'll you'll see that rivalry between aj and brian build up uh, in the weeks ahead so aj took on shelton benjamin with the miz and daniel bryan on commentary miz again referred to brian's win in australia with a roll-up which brian makes fun of him stating it was a small package but mocks his lack of technique Miz mentions that it was his birthday yesterday. Do you know how old the Miz turned on Monday? 34. 38. Oh, okay. Mike Mizan. He's got a bit of a baby face. 
Styles went for a springboard, and it was stopped with a flying knee, uh, which sent AJ to the floor. They come back from break. Styles is applying the calf crusher. Benjamin gets to the rope. Brian says he's looking forward to getting into the ring with a really good wrestler. <laughs> I I like Brian on commentary. He had some great lines. And, like, I don't know how much of this was improvised versus uh, pre-written. Oh, I think it's like, all improvised. Well, and he... His his delivery is so good. Like he says it in such a smug way too. Yeah. Like it's he's, really good. He's really quick. Like these two, I think, do really have like incredible chemistry, especially like when it when it comes out on things like Talking Smack or on commentary. But Brian is just like, you know, Miz comes across like your typical very kind of quick. You know, uh, he's a bully, but like Brian is like the cool guy in school who always has a way to, to like a line for the bully to take care of him without even lifting a finger. These two are super quick on their feet. They're they're a lot like Kevin Owens. I, I I put him in that category too of just guys that are really quick on their feet when it comes to these situations. And being on on commentary, that's a that's a must. Styles hit the phenomenal forearm. He gets the win. No controversy. Brian is up. He's clapping. Miz is being sarcastic, saying, "Yeah, that's what people want to see. These two that just love one another." Graves adds right at the end that, "Hey, Miz." Two minutes is above the national average. Um. Oh, I wouldn't know. Is that true? I, I don't know. But who's, it made me who's, think. Who's calculating? Who's timing? Who's participating in this survey? Yeah. Who's who's being honest and writing this down? Yeah. Or get, listening to a, a, a survey calling you on the phone. And this is the topic. And we need to know your... Average time. They're like, well, it's eh, 85 okay. seconds. Can I uh, read to you a study? Yes. Love studies. According to a 2008 study of the United States and Canadian sex therapists, sex that is too short lasts one to two minutes, adequate lasts three to seven minutes, and desirable is seven to 13 minutes. The range for too long went from 10 to 30 minutes. So now what? what is the average? The average went from what to what? Okay, it says here, um, uh, blah, 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 blah. Maybe Graves wasn't talking about sex. Maybe he was referring five, to something else. 5.4 minutes. Oh, that's the average in Canada or the U.S.? I think this is the U.S. This is from a 2005 study. Oh, okay. And then it also says that it does not take into account foreplay, the female orgasm, or non-heterosexual pairings. I just want to know how this is all calculated. Albert Kinsey's 1948 research found that 75% of, Amer- of American men <laughs> climaxed within two minutes. So I guess uh, it used to be the average. Oh, okay. Well, if there's any updated surveys, we'll, uh, we'll keep everyone up to date. We had a big show feature. They announced this is going to be his first match since September of 2017 when he lost a cage match to Braun Strowman. And then... He fell asleep and he woke up as a SmackDown contracted talent. <laughs> well, come on. These contracts don't last over a year, right? That wasn't said on the broadcast. I don't know. Was he even a part of that draft, the shakeup? Yeah, he was originally, he wasn't in any of the shakeups, but oh. he was drafted to Raw when they did the draft. Right. Mm. He had been on Raw all that time. I mean, what you just said, it would have been really fine that Tom Phillips just says that his contract expired over the past year. Rod didn't think he was going to come back, and they let it lapse and smacked. And Page grabbed him. That's it. That would have been ten seconds. They probably just assume that nobody even remembers. Well, 
We'll remember that at the Survivor Series. Aiden English is in the ring, and he's got the director's cut of the video from Milwaukee in the hotel room. He says, uh, he just plays it, and it's Lana stating, I want you. But it continues. To know how much you mean to Rusev, how much you've contributed, singing his songs and praise, we so appreciate you and all you've done for his career. And then shirtless Aiden puts his hand on her arm and moves in. And then the video stops again. Aiden says he has a proposition for Rusev and calls him out. And he wants Rusev to dump Lana to reunite Rusev Day. And Lana's out pleading with Rusev. Rusev tells him, keep playing the tape. English says, this is a family show. No man should see that. Lana says, well, then we'll play it. And Aiden is stunned here. How are you going to do that? And Lana says, because you got hacked. Aiden was a victim of the Russian hackers. Yes, that's right. Yes. And his password was I heart Rusev. And they typed in his password and thus are able to control his laptop, which has been, uh, I guess, HDMI'd here to the screen and they can unpause his video. Yeah, they control it by voice. Yeah. So the video continues, and Lana immediately turns down Aiden's advance and leaves the hotel room, and Aiden is looking all embarrassed in the ring. He says the offer is still on the table for Lana. When she's tired of those Rusev days, you can treat yourself to an Aiden night. (laughs) And Rusev goes after English, grabs him. He bails to the floor to avoid a machka kick. And that was the end of this segment. And kind of the end of this story, I think. Yeah, until the match, at least. Um, I was a little disappointed, I think, by this follow-up. I feel like they kind of extinguished this uh, intrigue a little bit too soon with the video. Mm. They had a great little start to it with some, you know, people were curious. And I don't think they had a great ending to it. No, they really didn't. I mean, for one thing, I... I I didn't really understand, I think, uh, Aiden himself revealing that the I want you line didn't amount to anything else. Like he's and why st- was Lana so concerned about it? Yeah, well... Last week. I guess she was pleading to Rusev. She, I think she was pleading that, hey, there's more to this video. Um, but anyway, it's it, like, I don't exactly know why Aiden kind of played that. And I think at that point, once you reveal that the I want you was something else... This audience already knows the rest of it is is bullshit, so I don't, you know, the rest of it I think was just to done done to almost just embarrass Aiden. Um, it was okay, but I think the potential was there for this to keep on going, uh, like with more intrigue, uh, or just just something I think to could like maybe he's got another video, maybe he's got more evidence to suggest, and each week we just kind of like play this game, but um, but instead it just you know just kind of wrapped up here. What if they do the match, Aiden wins, and then we reveal the video kept going and Lana came back to the hotel room? Then why would Aiden be upset about that? Mind games way. They're playing <laughs> Rusev. I don't know. Yeah. This is a little underwhelming. Yeah, I don't even. I, I'm not even that interested in seeing the match, to be honest. At no. the end of this, this, this was he got his revenge here. He made this guy look like a fool. 
I don't know. I, I didn't really have much interest in the match at the end of this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a little unfortunate because I think, like, Aiden had a, has had a pretty good spark uh, in, in these past few weeks. But he certainly hasn't built enough heat yet. At least definitely not enough for him to survive on his own after this feud. So Where could you even do this? Like, uh, this would be on an episode of SmackDown. Well, I thought, the, like, the way they were rushing, I think, this angle, I thought they would do it next week at uh, SmackDown 1000. But, um, you know, mm, I guess Crown Jewel... It'd be a waste there, I think. Well, you, you can't even have Lana there. Yeah, that really right. doesn't work with You're Lana right. not there. <laughs> that is so funny. This show. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. Random edition of SmackDown, I guess. They promoted Rey Mysterio. We will be on next week's show. They aired a video of all his, his career highlights. And next week, he's going to be in a World Cup qualifying match against Shinsuke Nakamura. That is a dream match. Shinsuke immediately tweeted after this, this is what I wanted. Yeah, that is a dream match. Like That is a match that I think would have uh, headlined almost any show, honestly. Uh, well, maybe not like a WrestleMania, but like any independent show that was out there, any New Japan show, I feel like you could headline with that. And most editions of, of SmackDown, you could have headlined with that. Um, so, you know, I'm very happy that we're going to get it. I'm almost disappointed that, you know, not a bigger deal was made out of it, though. It, be, it makes next week's show feel important to me that this match is happening. That I, And I think it's going to be a real match. I think you're going to get like 15 minutes out of them. Yeah. So it's something. Uh, Big Show Randy Orton was our main event in another World Cup qualifying match. Big Show is back. And they went through a commercial break. Orton is stomping his hands, stomping the legs. Show came back with a shoulder tackle and got the crowd into it because he raised his hand in the air. And Orton just rolled to the floor. There was way too much rolling on this show between Becky Lynch and Randy Orton. And Aiden English, too, after the Machka kick attempt. Show is stumbling as he climbs over the top, so he gets drop-kicked in his bad hip. Really made this guy feel old, where they were explaining, oh, he's got a bad hip. And he took a draping DDT for a two-count. And then Randy Orton, having listened to Wei Ting's suggestion last week, teased the punt. He went for the punt but he was stopped by a big show spear, which led to the crowd chanting, you still got it. Show calls for the choke slam. Orton goes to the floor again. He picks up Orton, gets him into the ring, hits the choke slam for a two count. The crowd's chanting one more time, sets up for the knockout punch, but Orton goes to the floor. And then on the apron, he uses a thumb to the eye. The referee misses. And then for the first time since he's uh, come into this heel role, hits the RKO pinning the big show and Randy Orton is off to Saudi Arabia to become the best in the world. Yeah. I hope for the big show's sake, he doesn't have to sit in a plane for that long to go over there. Uh, but I wonder, he might even still be on that show. I, To be honest, I thought they were going to do some kind of DQ finish here that the only reason big show was being used for this match was because they wanted this big guy into this tournament. Uh, overseas because remember there was that big thing about in the battle yeah, royal yeah. of having these giants that yes. i thought that's the only reason big shows here and they're gonna do something like where ty dillinger screws randy orton and he gets disqualified and big show gets into the tournament but mm -hmm. no this was just clean loss to randy mm -hmm. yeah i wonder if they're gonna do like anything like that you know just a big battle royal just to get a bunch of the other people on the show for this one mm -hmm. they could yeah, yeah. maybe the Anyway, uh, I thought, you know, fine TV match for for a big show versus Randy Orton match in 2018. 
you know, it wasn't all that long. Um, both both these guys are incredibly experienced for with this like WWE audience and WWE style. I thought it was perfectly fine. It almost felt though like a bit of a regression of Randy Orton that he kind of for one night stopped playing this maniacal character and it was back to the Randy Orton of five years ago, complete with the RKO. Did you sense a babyface vibe from him though? From Orton? Yeah. I mean he no. was still very much, I think, the one of the, the dominant one in this match. You know, wrestling an old man in the big show, targeting that injured hip, going teasing a punt. Yeah, I didn't get so much a babyface vibe from Randy Orton, just uh, you know, attacking this beloved giant that everyone loves. Yeah. You see the big show back. sticking around? Mm, no, I think it's gonna be very sporadic that you see him. I was surprised he was put in this. Like I don't know why. Maybe they just needed someone for Randy to beat, but it was an odd match pairing. I really do feel like we're, we might be, I think, having our setting our expectations a little high for this Rey Mysterio run. Like, I, I, I think I probably would expect him to just be in not not necessarily one of the top baby faces on the show, more so kind of in a legends role. Uh, I'm not saying like the Big Show, but maybe similar on the level. You know what I mean? Well, if if he's coming in with a reduced schedule. You know, that's they might not opt to go all the way with him. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at when, when Chris Jericho has dropped in. Like, since that Kevin Owens program, I mean, it's it's not as though they they have utilized him or, you know, there was a certain level because he wasn't going to be around all the time. No. And no. maybe that's going to be the thinking with Ray, too, that if they don't have him going on the road and doing every single week of TV that there's there's going to be a limit to how far they go with him and yeah i've you know it was interesting the fact that he insisted on an opt out 18 months into the deal that he can get out because he's probably got to be looking that if this run doesn't produce uh a lot of incentive to stick around i'm not getting any younger and i'm making mm-hmm. a killing on these independents at the moment that i want to get right back on the road there and be making these gigantic one-off figures going all over the world that I don't want to be stuck under a contract because that was his problem the last time was trying to get out of that deal to to leave. Yeah, the style is certainly tough around the independents, but I mean, he is regarded, I think, as a major, major star, a headlining star star on the independents, whereas in WWE TV, he's just, I think he'll just be in the middle of the pack. Yeah, well, I mean, he can pick his spots on the, the outside. Like, he can choose when he's going to do those select matches, and he can get away doing like a toned down Rey Mysterio match. He's mm-hmm. so popular. And I think the key here is learn what didn't work with Matt Hardy. Like here's a guy that, that should not have been on the road doing four matches every week and, and then doing TV every single week and just doing matches all the time. I don't think they know what didn't work with Matt Hardy. I think well, they just assume that oh, this guy got hurt. Well, there was yeah. a reason I think that that kind of expedited his, his exit was, you know, just working all these matches that right. his body probably was beyond doing a full time schedule that I, I mean, Ray is not going to be coming in and doing four house shows a week or three house shows and TV. But, but more importantly, I would hope that all of his matches are of importance and not just, you know, there to fill time. I think that'd be really disappointing to see somebody who I think still has a, like a really great aura about him as somebody that we don't like he's he's one of the bonus downloadable characters on the show and the guy can still go uh but when you i think just kind of like take him for granted like uh they 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 often do 
with with uh, smaller uh, individuals like like him. Um, and it's just kind of disappointing. Well, if you're worried about overexposure, he's on the right show then on SmackDown as opposed to Raw, where I think you would run into that problem of he'd be doing matches every single week where on SmackDown, I don't think you're going to have him on every week, especially not doing matches. Hmm. So that was SmackDown. I'm going to say this week I enjoyed Raw more than SmackDown this yes, week. I agree. Um, I thought Raw was a really uh, more newsworthy show, and I think it uh, overall I was just more into it. There was uh, there was some good stuff on this show. We even got during the Randy Orton video feature uh, Jim Cornette with a soundbite in 2018 on WWE programming. Did you catch that? I I actually missed it. It was actually, of the features they did, it was definitely the best one because they showed all these awesome highlights of Orton. They had the Evan Bourne shooting star RKO. They had that Seth Rollins finish from WrestleMania. Mm. Um, yeah, it was a pretty good feature, actually. I missed the, the Cornette line. What was, what was the line? It was just a shot of him in OVW and Jim Cornette, I think, calling him the future, oh. something like that. It was like a really quick clip. Yeah, there are a lot of video features on this show, almost like a reintroduction for people who don't remember who the big show is or who John Cena I guess they did the Cena one yesterday, but uh, yeah, anyway. Uh, let's move on to the Mixed Match Challenge. This week, we have John's favorite team, BNB, taking on... BNB. Yeah. Baylor and... Ba- Bailey and Balor? Baylor, whatever. Taking on Monster Eclipse, and uh, I think you'll be happy to know, John, that uh, this week, they started off with Bailey's intro and then turned in- turned it into Balor's. Which is what they did on Monday, right? Uh, I thought they just started with, with Balor's. I, I could be wrong. Maybe oh. they did start with Bailey's on Monday. Oof. I just remember Bailey doing all of Balor's mannerisms. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, Monster Eclipse is uh, Alex. Sorry, what is it? Uh, uh, Ember Moon and Braun Strowman. Braun. Yep. Braun is really over here. He really does come across like a legitimate star that I think people who came here to watch a SmackDown show didn't really expect to see, or at least uh, not before this match was announced. So. We cut to the back at some point during this match, and we see the next participant, Carmella and R-Truth. Carmella is on deck getting ready in her gear. Meanwhile, R-Truth is still in his street clothes. He walks past Carmella with his bag in tow and uh, wishes her good luck when she goes up against Nature Boy Ric Flair tonight as he's about to leave the arena. And Carmella informs him that he's in the match coming up next. So Braun dominates Balor for most of this match and uh, sets up the hot tag for Bailey. The women tag in. Um, Bailey and Ember are actually pretty good in there together, as we've seen, I think, in the past. Um, Bailey has uh, ba- ba- Bailey to belly, belly to Bailey, whatever is. Uh, it's broken up by Braun. Uh, Braun charges the post, but Balor gets out of the way. The coup de gras to the back of Strowman. Uh, sends Strowman down, puts him into position for the actual coup de gras. But before Braun or Balor can execute it, uh, there's some distraction, and then Braun just gets up, power slams Finn for the win. It was a pretty decent, pretty straightforward match. We get an update from Team Paws, the team consisting of Natalia and Kevin Owens, and we see Natalia in the back who says she needs a new partner now that Kevin Owens is injured. So uh, we have to think about who can replace Kevin Owens, who also owns a, a si- Siberian cat or whatever. She, she Is that had. the qualification? You have to have a Siberian cat to be I, her partner? I think that's what the two of them have, yeah. Oh. I, I don't know what the dog makeup is amongst uh, the WWE talent. Hmm. I'm sure everybody... Well, it's kind of tough. I mean, you're traveling all the time. How are you going to... 
you know, take care of a dog. Did you know that uh, uh, Tyson Kidd went to the fight on Saturday, the UFC 229 show? Yeah, I did see that. Did he go with yeah. any other talent, or, or was he just there? I don't know. Yeah, I saw him hanging out there with uh, Chuck Mindenhall. Interesting. So up, uh, we also hear from uh, their, the team that Natalia is going to face next week, and that's country dominance, not Mickey Bobby. It's Lashley and Mickey, and they're there with Leo Rush. Leo Rush is the one holding the cell phone for this selfie promo, and Lashley again takes credit for Kevin Owens' injury, and they cut a bit of a bit of a heel promo. So our second match this week is the fabul- fabulous truth, Carmella and our truth, taking on phenomenal flair, phenomenal with an F. Team of Charlotte and AJ Styles. How's that spelled? F E N O M E. Okay, they don't N-A-O. they don't try and put the H in there to make it very confusing. Okay. No, you know uh, what name? You know what name I've always been confused by? Um, Which? Michelle Pfeiffer. P F E I F F. I always think of uh when I whenever I hear of Michelle Pfeiffer, I now think of Mackay Pfeiffer. From, uh, just from the Eight Mile song, all the Fifers, yeah, yeah. Get it sorted, you guys. Come on, is it P- is it an F or a PH? Come on, you gotta make up your mind. So Carmela is now exchanging lines in our truth and our truth's entrance theme. So she raps along with Truth, and uh, I mean, um, I didn't. I was a big fan of that song to begin with. I don't know if I like it. Uh, even but is this her just yelling "What's up"? Or is she actually no, doing she, rapping? She, she does the lines. Oh, I mean, I know the song is like you know how kind of helps them get over. But man, how about a new verse once in a while? Like, how about you write a new verse for Carmela? You know, again, I don't even know if that. You know what? Hire the the wrestle and flow dude, please. Oh, hire, hire this guy. He was at RAW yesterday, apparently. So, oh, was he? Yeah, uh, hire this guy to write the song or write, do a remix or something. But anyway. Fans seem to like it. Maybe so, Wale is going to join them. Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, He's he, apparently he's training, isn't he? Well, that was the, the plan was that he was going to debut at next year's Wale Mania. But it looks like Wale Mania is not happening. Hmm. Unless Wale is going to be doing a WrestleMania pre-party or something like that. I don't know. But it looks yeah. like, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know what his wrestling career is like anymore. If the prospects of that are that high. So they acknowledge that Charlotte is banged up and medically cleared to compete. So she comes out here. She's uh, got her robe. She's still, you know, all smiles as usual. Uh, And then she reveals a cut on her wrist. And she looks to be, you know, very careful with the injury. Not necessarily um, uh, like she's holding her wrist as if like she had just been hurt. So... Everybody starts off by taunting the crowd. They exchange a battle between woos and what's ups. This goes on for like a good minute. And then Truth and AJ are in, in there. They do kind of your traditional wrestling thing. They dodge each other's moves. And then at some point, R-Truth starts doing a little dance. AJ responds with a bit of a dance of his own. R-Truth starts flossing. AJ does some type of weird robot thing. And then they both God. in unison shout, dance break and the music turns on the spotlights turn on uh carmella and charlotte come in truth and carmella both do the splits and then charlotte also does the splits so now the pressure is put on aj to also do the splits and aj pauses 
He senses the pressure. The crowd chants for AJ. And AJ attempts it, but he hurts, hurts himself in the process. He says he's an old man. He can't do this dance stuff. Uh, apparently, these dance breaks are a huge draw on Facebook. So you can expect them pretty much weekly. Poor Charlotte has to deliver chops now using her cut-up arm. Oh. I, don't, I don't know why she just didn't use her other arm. Maybe that requires some training. Charlotte chases Carmella around the ring. They do like six laps of this. And then uh, there's some wrestling in there where uh, Carmella, again, uh, this Carmella and Charlotte both do the uh, enter into the code of silence using the same jackknife cover that Carmella did with Zelina Vega a couple weeks back. So each of the women are involved in breaking up pin, pinfall attempts from the men. And then the finish comes as AJ goes for a sunset flip on R-Truth, but Truth holds onto Carmella's hand in the corner as a way to stay up. Charlotte comes around the ring, pulls Carmella from the apron, allowing AJ to complete the pinfall, uh, giving them the victory. So, you know, this was, uh, I think the dance break stuff, while it was certainly fun, I feel like it's just something that they're going to beat to death now, now that they see that there's somewhat uh, of traction uh, when it comes to these things. You know, it was still fun, still got over with the crowd, but I really didn't sense uh, enough, as much creativity with both of these matches as I did, I think, in previous weeks. I can't wait for your review when Braun Strowman has to do the dance break. Wow. Yeah. Very possible. It's got to happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, sounds like another mixed match challenge I missed out on. Mixed bag challenge. Oh, very, very nice. All right. Well, let's do some feedback to the show. As we uh, recap last night, Raw got a very strong review from you folks on the forum. Let's see if SmackDown could do the same. Is it going to get a pass tonight, Way? I think it'll pass. I don't think it'll be higher than Raw. A 5.5. Way, just on the nose here. A slight pass, but not above Raw. We start off with Brandon from Oshawa. I was only able to catch the opening match, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Becky and Charlotte have really been bringing a lot of intensity to this feud, If they announce something later in the show, ignore this, but I really hope this World Cup tournament is for something more than best in the world and not just another throwaway gimmick like the greatest Royal Rumble. These are such simple ways to build a number one contender. I completely agree. I completely agree. I feel that way about all these battle royals that they do. Uh, Certainly a tournament for best in the world should qualify you for something beyond just a trophy. Uh, So I'm I'm completely with Brandon there. Yeah, they haven't announced anything. Right now, it's just to be the best in the world. And let's <laughs> let's add his uh, Johnny Mundo Week 2 Survivor update. Brandon's been watching Johnny Mundo on Survivor. It started out as a quiet week for John until he got pulled into the majority alliance on his Goliath tribe. This alliance wanted to target the old annoying lady, but John had other ideas. He went to this lady and proposed a secret alliance and told her everyone wanted her out. She then decided to go to everyone in the tribe, and call them out. The Goliath tribe ended up winning immunity, but this may have been a huge mistake from John. They didn't reveal if people knew that he spilled the beans on this woman, but he will be on thin ice if they do. Interesting. Wow. Oh, so, man, it's uh, the Goliath tribe escaped being voted uh, out this week, but, man, could come back to... Johnny Mundo's got a very busy week coming up. He's going for the Impact title on Sunday. He's active in Survivor. And I think he's been, like, just destroyed off of Lucha Underground. I don't think he's coming back there anytime soon. Yeah, there's a wedding. There's always, I mean, these shows, Survivor, Big Brother, all these shows are always about politicking. And I wonder if uh, maybe his experience in the WWE and the world of professional wrestling helps. 
the best part of Impact last week was Austin Aries cutting this promo on Johnny, and he goes through, what's your name this week? You're Johnny Wrestling, you're Johnny Mundo, you're John Hennigan, you're Johnny Wrestling. Soon after I beat you, your new name's going to be Johnny 205. Damn, everybody's... 205 Live is just the butt of everyone's jokes. I know. On the elites, on You know, I feel bad. I kind of feel bad because... Like two, those guys are working so hard, and I think they they like a lot of them are are I think very proud of the work that they put in. Like I'm sure they are, but it's it's looked like that is purgatory. I know no one wants to end up on that show. Nobody's yeah. goal is to get to 205 Live, and it's, that's nothing against the guys there or how hard they're trying. But it is a dead end show yeah. for your career. Thing is, though, I feel like years from now we will look back and say like, man, 205 Live had some really great matches, you know. Like it, we're not lo- we're not gonna look back on two hundred five live the way I think people look back on like Thunder. jacked yeah or metal like maybe velocity but like I I even think um, two hundred five live probably will be better remembered than that like these guys always bust their ass by the way um Mike and Maria Canellas debuted on two hundred five live oh did week. they yeah oh okay well uh, that'll be airing Wednesday night mm-hmm. so uh, maybe uh I will try and catch that. Okay, we got a Paul from New Jersey who says, "Would you guys be open to do to the Iconics having a weekly interview type corner? Their characters and promo work seems to be their strength, so I think it would help them get over as well as the guests." I recently upgraded. Keep up the great work, guys. P.S. I find it odd that the World Cup consists mostly, if not all, of Americans. Oh, that's uh, maybe we'll get some international flavor in this World Cup. Um. I'm not opposed to that idea. I, I'm i kind of hot and cold on the Iconics with their quick promos, where I think in 30-second bursts, I don't know, it, it kind of mm-hmm. can be a little grating at times, whereas an interview segment, you might actually get to kind of flesh out their characters a bit more, and more of their personality could be injected instead of having to do, you know, get your impression in if you're Peyton and just... I don't know. They're they're a lot of fun together. I wonder how it it would work in an interview type setting where I think your goal is to not be the focus of attention and you know, it's the subject that's the focus of attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know if their act is necessarily conducive to to that because I think the two of them are so like they take over whatever, you know, screen time that they're in. Like and that's the gimmick is that they're obnoxious. And they do a great job of that. Is the interview, weekly interview type corner thing, Piper's Pit type of thing, the right way to use them? I'm not really sure. But I, I mean, I do know that I think the two of them, for what they do, they're very entertaining. I think- and on a show, too, with Ms. TV, it's kind of, they don't really need another interview segment. I guess you kind of need a female equivalent. But yeah, like, who's, who's to say? Well, who's to say they have to stick with, like, you know, interviewing women, even? But I'm, I'm just saying, like, you have your, your interview segment. Like, right. that is the segment. I'm not saying, like, one for men, one for women. It's just it seems kind of overkill to have two separate segments that are pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At, at the moment, it feels like they are kind of doing what uh, mm, what might be best, uh, the I guess, given the current environment right now. And that's serving as sort of pretty much these kind of annoying jobbers, essentially. Jalen from Pickering. So the World Cup is about to have five Americans from the past generation in it. I can't wait to see a bunch of 40-year-old men renew old rivalries. Nice to see two of the horsewomen continue to have the best feud on the main roster with their contributions to the women's revolution. It's going to be a crying shame when someone who's been wrestling since April and a reality TV star made an event over them. Man, Jalen just coming out with daggers here. 
It's hard to see evolution as anything more than a tool for marketing and as a way to apologize for the Saudi Arabian deal, when three women who should be key figures in Asuka, Sasha, and Bailey have been booked so poorly and have nothing going on two weeks from this show. Yeah. yeah. Um, hmm. I mean, who... Well, Sasha's out at the moment, so um, she's not available. Um, Uh, Asuka... There's nothing going on with her, and you you know yeah, yeah. for all this talk of you know like yeah, yeah I'm kind of interested what fills out the rest of this card be at least on the main roster because it's not like they're building a whole lot of programs that you can see leading anywhere like Nia Jackson Ember Moon is kind of the closest we've got to a you know undercard feud that's has even been teased on television this week. You know, just going back to, to Jalen's point, like it's it's not like Charlotte and, Be- and and Becky aren't involved in a very high profile feud. They're in arguably the highest one. I mean, but I do feel like Ronda, just because Ronda is is the biggest star in the company, mainstream in terms of mainstream attention, she is going to get that top spot no matter what. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, that you could you could possibly put Charlotte and Becky on last as well. Like you I could. think that th- those two are going to be promoted as kind of. 1A, 1B of this show, like the two big championship matches. And you're probably going to get the more, you know, the the match that can provide your main event style match. It is Becky and Charlotte. So, yeah, I don't have much issue with that. And and Ronda, like, there's a reason this pay-per-view is happening. Ronda's a large part of it. Yeah. Okay, we got MJ from NJ who says the Miz is so good on the mic, cutting snarky heel promos that he actually upstages the main event stars this to- time and time again. His line about why the WWE Championship is not headlining pay per views because AJ is the champion is almost too close to home. And since it won't headline Crown, Ju- Crown Jewel, it completely makes one think to themselves, it's true. Do you think that's a blatant attempt by Vince to call this out, or is, Vin- or is Miz just awesome at delivering his heel lines, or both? Side note, it's cool AJ and Shelton can have a throwaway match on SmackDown. So much talent on this side of the roster. Uh, was that a Vince line, you think? Um, The one about AJ uh, not headlining shows? I think it's a really dumb line, whoever came up with it. I just don't know why. Like, I, I don't know. You know, I, I mean, I do feel like, unless they're going to pay it off, yeah, it would be dumb. You know, like, but I... If 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 it becomes AJ's goal now to all of a sudden like he's been champion for this long long time, uh, maybe you tell the story now that he's gotten comfortable as champion and that he's not challenging himself and that he makes it a goal of himself to upstage a Roman Reigns or or whoever you know main events the show. Uh, I don't know how you tell that story across the two brands, but maybe that's I don't know. Maybe there's something there, but unless they plan on doing that type of storyline, I, I do think it's kind of an unnecessary line yeah i i think you're giving them way too much leniency (laughs) i think it's just like he's your world champion and he's in the midst of this incredible run that's almost been a year like there should be there should be like your world champion is saying "Ah, i'm not even doing that well you know what i mean it's just i don't know i think it was just a a line just used to to throw in there and i just didn't think it was very uh, conducive for you know, trying they they literally are calling this thing now the most coveted championship in the WWE. That's their little uh, marketing term now for the WWE title on SmackDown. Do you think and they'll do? You, do you think they'll do the match again at uh, Night of Champions between Champion and Champion? Oh yeah, that's what they did last year. What with Roman and AJ? Um, 
you could do that, I guess. I just I, I don't like that because I think it's almost um what was the match last year they did? I can't remember. It was like gender and AJ and gender or uh no, no, it was gender lost was... the belt for that one. So it became Oh, AJ. he had lost it. You're right. It was AJ and I can't remember. It was Jinder and Brock was that Survivor Series. Anyway, yeah, it, yeah. it was uh here, let me let me tell you right now. It was AJ wait a second, it was AJ and Jinder. AJ, AJ beat Jinder. So I oh okay, so I guess they did uh they didn't do the champion versus champion. What am I thinking? Oh. Of? Am I thinking Survivor Series? Yeah, that's what you're or thinking. Clash of because champions it was it was, or... it was it was no, it was Brock and Jinder at Survivor Series. Brock and champ- No, Brock and AJ. It was Brock and AJ. Brock and AJ at Survivor Series. Oh yeah, it was going to be Brock and Jinder and then they switched it. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess that, that would even be closer. Do you think they'll do that again? Yeah, I guess it's possible. I mean, Roman and AJ will be a great match. When they had their feud in 2016, they had some awesome pay-per-view matches. So think, I wouldn't think, be opposed to it. It's just booking a finish, right? Exactly. Like, AJ already lost last year. So I think, you know, you kind of have to have him win this time. Yeah, I, I don't see that happening. So, yeah, Survivor Series, I don't even know what they're going to do this year. Like, the brand split's dead. I don't think there's any value in that. Like, you really have to come up with something creative this year, or it's just going to feel like a real just run-of-the-mill show. Um, Johnny Mundo. Go to- Johnny Mundo, the survivor. Oh, yeah, maybe. Um, do we want to read this other question he had? Okay, sure. He says, um, for the double shot, the WWE stock has slid back into the mid-'80s after peaking two weeks ago when I last brought this up. I've read commentary that this could be due to the return of aging superstars and concern about the ability to make new stars that can carry the company in upcoming years. Granted, this was not a wrestling fan writing such, but interesting point that the big international shows that generate great additional revenue are being done using stars who may not be usable in years going forward, making these less likely to be reoccurring revenue generators. Already, Crown Jewel is being moved to a smaller venue. What are your thoughts? I, I don't think that the stock is at any way uh, attached to using older stars. I mean, they're, they've been using older stars from the past for forever. I mean, they're just, you know, Sean is just the latest one that's coming back. And honestly, you listen to these conference calls and these investors. I mean, they are not asking questions about, oh, why are you about creating stars? Or are you relying too much on, on like, those are not the concerns. They are looking at things like, the expectation of the next television deal with India, with the UK market. They are hoping for another gigantic windfall of rights fees, much like the US deals brought in. You know, if anything, it's it's looking at the fact that they are getting these incredible uh, amounts of money to go overseas and do shows uh, and stuff like that. Uh, I, you know, I, I haven't, you know, sat down and really looked at what the issue has been with the stock. But in the last like 12 days, it's, it's fallen $10. So it's notable. I've always assumed it was going to settle down and, and come down. Um, probably coinciding with the next UK and India deals that are going to be coming up. They were supposed to be announcing a UK deal before the end of this year and the India deal, like the first quarter of 2019. So I think, Probably six months from now, I think the stock, it, I just never thought it was going to stay at this level. So I don't know if you're going to have a gigantic pan, panic over it, but I, I can't necessarily pinpoint it. But I, I don't think it's, you know, what what stars they're using. If anything, I mean, it's, you know, it's just, I mean, that can be a positive. The fact that they're 
bringing back names from the past and, you know, sparking business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it makes you wonder, though, you know, what the mainstream perception is of the company headlining shows with like stars from 20 years ago um, and whether or not, you know, in, on the one hand, I think it might drive some interest from casual viewers who haven't heard back from a lo- uh, from wrestling in a while checking in. But at the same time, I, I do also feel like it, it does give the perception that, you know, you're you're using people that really have no business of being in, in, in the ring anymore. Yeah, but I think ultimately, I mean, if if you are a if you're a stock analyst, if you're a shareholder, you're looking at are are these names generating business? Mm-hmm. And the negative is that a Shawn Michaels is not going on the road, so it's not affecting your house show business. Uh, but he is on television at a time when you know television numbers are are down at the moment for WWE since Monday Night Football has come back, and especially over the last uh, two weeks. And uh, I think honestly, like you can criticize using DX now. Um, it's something that they're using on Raw. Like, take those two guys out of it, and what is Raw producing? And may- maybe that's, that's more a of criticism. A, that's that's possibly a criticism that it is. It's a short term measure. Um, going back and and using talent from the past, but are and, you necessarily and, not, and not, not even one that I feel like they want to. Like, it seems like a lot of this is is spurred on by by the Saudi Arabia show. Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's ultimately the impetus that got Sean to come back and do a match because they, they've wanted him to do matches for years. Um, and I guess that'll be the question is how interested he is to continue this beyond uh, November the 2nd. We go to John from Montreal. Okay, so so the World Cup is to determine the best in the world. Isn't that what the Universal and WWE titles are for? At least... Shouldn't the champions be automatically entered into this tournament? Well, they're not the best anymore. Jake from the Windy City. Are you guys hearing about the Washington Post columnist that went missing? Oh, okay. Yeah. We just talked. Yeah. We talked about this at the beginning, but yeah, it's, you know, it has the potential to have an effect on the WWE having this business relationship with the, with the government of Saudi Arabia and, I think at a time when if if this show is going to mirror the one in April where you had those PSAs running, I think it puts the WWE into like a very negative light. Oh, my God. Yeah. Extremely negative light. uh, Yeah. It makes this whole thing again, like so fascinating, you know, like on the one hand, they want to make all this money. They, they, they just they, they need they this is money sitting right there. All this money. But at at the risk of, I think. Their public image, which they seem to be uh, pr- more protective of now than they have ever been in in their company company's history, so um, it's the, the, uh, it's very interesting. I think to see what happens in their response. Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm waiting for that major mainstream outlet that is going to kind of look at this um, because I think as long as this just stays a story that is discussed amongst. Wrestling media, I don't think that's the kind of negative attention that WWE raises an eyebrow at. It is when, uh, whether it be sponsors, whether it be television partners, whether it be, you know, major outlets that are looking at this and stating, wait a minute, are are you, you know, you know, tacitly endorsing this this regime that mm-hmm. is allegedly killing journalists and, you know, executing people and it i mean the list can go on and it's yeah. just i think it's something that it, this is not a show that you can just 
bury your head and just ignore the the politics because that that first show like you understood what this was and and why this government is spending so much money for these shows it's not because they just want to bring wrestling to their country it's that they have a message that they want to be broadcast to somebody with an incredible reach and the WWE has a global reach and they have they have shown no issue in accepting this money to send that message out and and endorse them on their airwaves. Let me ask you, do you think this whole, you know, all these Saudi Arabia shows, um, part of the deal was that this is has to air on the network? Because, I mean, I think there were rumors at, at the very least that this particular Saudi Arabian show could have just been a non-televised house show. Um, not to say, I think, you know, like, do you think they regret not going that route? Or was it uh, even an option? You know, given the fact that we watched that Greatest Royal Rumble show, I think that I think they want this broadcast. I think they want people to be watching this from around the world. Right, of course. And, like, that was a very carefully manipulated show. From the way the announcers were describing the country to the PSAs that aired... I don't think they were spending all this money to just do an enclosed live event that was only going to be seen by the citizens that were attending the stadium that night. I think they wanted this to be a commercial, an expensive commercial that they are buying for this government to be showcased to a worldwide audience. Very interesting. So that is going to wrap up the show, everybody. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Way and I are going to be up on the double shot, which you can uh, go subscribe to postwrestlingcafe.com. We're going to be chatting about being the elite, total divas, and an interview with Ed Nordholm of Impact Wrestling. He was recently on a podcast uh, that I, I listened to. He was interviewed by Dave Penzer with a state of Impact Wrestling, and I found there were a lot of interesting notes in this interview. Uh, that we are going to go through. So all of that is coming up and more on the double shot. So that is it. Goodbye, everyone. We will chat with you this week.